Welcome to The Quizmakers, a podcast from Riddle.com. Join our weekly chat about all things quizzes, marketing, and everything in between. We'll speak with entrepreneurs and marketers to get their quiz secrets, plus share our story, the highs and the lows of scaling a successful startup since we launched way back in 2014. Hello, and welcome to the Quizmaker podcast. Our guest today is David Berkowitz. David was the former CMO of MRI, a huge marketing agency, and has now moved to running his own company, Serial Marketers. Um, Hello, David. Thanks for joining us in the podcast. Thanks for having me, Boris. Great to be here. David, the first question that I've actually always wanted to ask you and never got around to it somehow how did you decide to move from being a big corporate CMO, very respected job at a huge company to being self-employed? That's a huge step. Yeah, it's a big step. And some of it wasn't entirely the plan. Uh, and some of it was going through with, look like uh, within Publicis, it was a wonderful experience over with the team at MRY. And, and the team there kept shifting uh, like the organization kept shifting considerably within Publicis. And, and so ultimately they needed to step back from uh, what they were marketing and, and a kind of retrench there. And then as I was taking some time off there, there were just a lot of the companies I was initially talking to were on the tech and the product side. And so it was like starting to do some consulting there. And then in that four-year span, I've gone in and out of some of these in-house roles, but all of them have been a lot scrappier. And it's been fun being in the, this building. And really, so across the board, I've just been, you know, just been attracted to these entrepreneurial roles. So, uh, so that part has stayed fairly consistent. And a lot of it is even at MRY, they didn't have a CMO before I joined, right? Like I go still room to just create things and build. And so it's really appealing to track uh, going over to that you know, startup front and, and having those as most of my clients day to day. So, but instead of going the usual route, which is um, you, you got to know a lot of people in your previous roles and you set up um, consulting gigs, you went a slightly different route as well. You started with a small Slack channel, I guess, to keep in touch with people, which has now grown into a huge and thriving community of well over a thousand members. Tell me about how, the, how that idea started to build that community and how you managed to grow it that fast. The idea started pretty much the day I left MRY, and it's all very connected because I was going to be speaking at an event and a bit after that transition, and uh, and I wanted a company name associated with it. And there, there's a, a bigger story behind, behind the company name itself, Serial Marketer. But once I decided on that, from that day, there was this idea, well, wait, a lot of people identify as Serial Marketers. No one uses that term googling it right like the barely any search results associated with it and said so there's something to it and then i got to this point where i wrapped up this uh engagement with with story hunter this video production marketplace july of 2018 and i started the community with a linkedin post thought slack was the right place to try this then and for slack for business professionals at the time it was still very 
unusual for those outside of the startup community to have a Slack account. But it seemed like it was in that right place and something that you could customize a lot more than the standards of Google and Facebook and, and then LinkedIn groups. And, and so it, I just started a post, connected it to a Google Forms and got some idea for this community which is ways to share things like jobs, events, and news updates. And who wants to give this a shot, right? Like, I, I didn't know exactly what it would be. And right away, I got 100 people filling out that form. And so, like, like the initial early adopter, and I'd estimate about half of them actually went and created an account. And so, it's always some drop-off in that funnel there. And, and so, then it was just a, a matter of, it's funny, it's like, now it's nearly 1,500 members, and it feels like it happened both very slowly and very quickly um, because it's not one of those things where it's like, put this thing on product hunt, tell everyone you know. Yeah, uh, I've seen some communities that are like very aggressive of having you get the community name on your on everyone's LinkedIn profiles and, and, and just uh, yeah, have that viral effect. And this has been overwhelmingly, like it got to that point, I don't know, six months in uh, where the people joining were much more likely to be from my second degree than my first degree. And now based on that, like some that's come from my third degree. And so that to me was a really exciting pivot when I saw that people I didn't know were giving this a shot. Now, I must say we tried to copy the serial marketer Slack community at Riddle and uh, tried to build a Riddle quiz maker community on Slack and completely failed. <laughs> and I think we failed for... One reason we couldn't figure out why people should join. So, and I think when you mentioned there's a lot of communities that pop up on Product Hunt and they get lots of members, people register, but they never log in, they never contribute. I think I've been a member of at least 10 or 20 of these. Serial marketer, I check every day. But from your point of view, what do you think did you do different than all these communities that made your community really work? Well, thanks. You know, I mean, it's gratifying to hear because, because like you said, you know, my my initial goal, like like once it actually, you know, was sustaining itself after the first few months, then my initial goal for the community was very simple: don't die, right? And if it did die, by the way, that was okay. It was good experiment. And and then the, you know there were some of these little milestones along the way, like like when I realized I could take a week off on vacation and the community would still be there when I got back. And actually one of the reasons I hesitated to launch a community is because look, I'm in marketing. I know a lot of people where communities and, and other related endeavors, they're vanity projects. And I did not want this to be the like David Berkowitz community. And I want to be something where like, say I got involved with something else that was just gonna take up all my, like could I basically hand this over to some other folks and say, can you just run with this? And and now it's at the point where I even know who those people are in the community who I could do that to if I needed to. And it have some confidence that a year from now, it would actually maybe thrive even more, right? A lot of it benefited from that organic build of, of you know, finding those right members. And I got to say, so, some of it is what were the most unpredictable thing that where like you've got like the luck and skill parts of any degree of success. And so for me, the luck part came overwhelmingly in the people who I call the catalysts of the community. And there are people who, uh, some I knew fairly well of uh, Valeria Maltoni, wonderful writer. I've been on the speaking circuit with her. I've known her a very long time. It, never like my closest 
friend in the industry. She's based out in Philly. So not like the person I'd have a, a beer with day to day, but like she was someone I, I knew fairly well and wasn't as surprising that she'd be as active and, and just enthusiastic as she was. There, there are people like Weston Woodward and Chris Gorges and people are, are on like Sheer Abel. Some like actually uh, Peggy Ann Sauls, who I met in Germany, who I knew before, but sat down with it at DMEXCO. And, and, and actually after I met with, met with Peggy in the DMEXCO press room, then I went back to my hotel room and I created a an actual roadmap and like a media kit and put together all this stuff because Peggy is so organized, so enthusiastic and, and like ideas per minute, like she's just off the charts, but it, but a lot of it has just been gradually just benefiting from people like that, learning from them and, and look like trying to find that right balance of being involved day to day, promoting it, but bone across people who I'm connected to, who I've known a long time and who don't know that this community exists. And whenever I hear that, it means I have not been promoting it too much. <laughs> so it's a lot of that balance and it's tough because I also never know to the extent that I should be like you know, the main user of the community you know, and figuring out that balance between being the person running it and being a member. It's tricky. So in the end, it's not so much the content, it's the initial people, the people you get in that make all the difference. Is that? Yeah. And look, like there are things I could have done better, for instance, like, like there in terms of say having a very concrete purpose, uh, I've done more to flesh out and, and like, yeah, you know, I have some kind of FAQ pages that are more hidden and, and clearly I haven't been put in this front center in terms of like who should be a member and who shouldn't, you know, what the, purpose and mission all this is about and a lot of it is like get good people together who've either like been in marketing a while or just really excited about it yeah uh, have a few of these main use cases like yeah, i'm all for people you know, a, a lot of times that people refer a friend it's when someone someone's on the job market and not surprisingly that has fueled a lot of the member growth uh, over the past six months but then a lot of those people get those jobs and pay it forward and and just keep staying an active uh, member and resource in the community. And so it builds from there. Right. So, but I think that there's uh, that, that there's so much that I could have been more aggressive with just having a lot of this, like, you know, determine the product market fit, all these great ideas from the startup world that I didn't do very well. Cause I'm like, yeah, I, I still kind of want to see what happens, right? You know, and I and I do have a, a form on the front door where people can request access. And I let in at any given time, like 90 to 95%. And when I don't, it's really because I have no idea why this person would want to join. Or there are a few of those red flags on their LinkedIn profile that I'm like, this is probably some kind of spammer who's... Uh, just going to take and not give to the community. And even then, I've, I haven't had a single person who didn't get in and, and then like came to me and said like, come on, I should be here. You know, the only messages like that, and I've got one in my inbox right now, is from someone where like the invite link didn't work. And it's like, come on, let me in already. And they should be there, right? <laughs> and you kept the community entirely free of spammers. I don't think I saw one piece of spam. That's good. Now, one last question on the community that a lot of people probably wonder about. I mean, initially you just started this as a project. You wanted to see where it goes, but it's a lot of work, right? So you should get paid for it. Do you have any regrets of not 
charging your members from the get-go? I know you recently started with a paid add-on to the community. Do, do you now, thinking back, say it would have been better to get 500 paying members initially instead of 1,500 free? Or what's your thought in retrospect on paying? Well, some of it is the, you know, what's your purpose? Is it supposed to be a revenue stream? Is it, you know, is there value in the community as far as a a marketing channel for what you're doing? Look, like, like when I started this, this is just a way to bring some people together. Uh, and for a long time, it, it was more top of mind, but like the day-to-day work on the community was really minimal. Like I haven't had spammers and trolls in there. I haven't had to deal with like a, a lot of the worst aspects of it. I wouldn't be, I didn't create a whole content calendar for myself. I wasn't very aggressive, maybe to a fault in social media and promoting what's going on in the community. So um, look like there are 1,500 people who registered for this community who are perhaps a little more likely to pick up the phone if, if I call them because this community exists. Like, like that's incredible value. And really with charging for it, it was like it, it got to the point where with the roadmap that I was talking about, there's so much I wanted to do that I didn't feel like I should be the only one investing in this. Like, And I got to the point where, where I thought that there were things coming up that I want to pay for. And, and so to me, once yeah, I could figure out the disproportionate value, ready to roll with it. Now, as far as what I'd recommend others do, it's very different, right? It's because everything I've read, everything I've seen says going a freemium approach is the toughest way to go about it, right? Like either go all in and, and find sponsors or just let like, you know, foot the bill and make this a free community or you know, charge from day one, make it very clear what the price is going to be. And then you won't have anyone join you who's not planning on paying. And many of them, even if they stop using it, they're going to pay for the rest of their lives and just kind of forget about it or uh, uh, something like that. So I think those are the, you know, smarter ways to go about this. But launching this as a project and seeing what happened, like it's very fitting for me. It's fitting for my brand also to a fault, I think, to leave money on the table and to think about uh, just value first and not try to you know, cash in on something and and almost waiting as long as I possibly could to go and charge. So it's a tougher way to go about it. But I, I still think for this community that like has a little bit of this iconoclastic feel to it that isn't running this just like very, you know, heavy handed top down, like you know, shout this thing from the mountaintops, like this community is the next big thing ever. It's really the most low key bunch of marketers I think you could find anywhere. Yeah. And uh, and to that end, I wound up doing like the one advice I, I would give someone else is that like at some point you've got to you know, learn as much as you can, throw it all out, throw out everything you might have learned during this you know, episode here and then just do what works for you. And that might not mean it works, but uh, like then you can at least give it your best shot. Awesome advice. Thank you, David. And to everyone listening to wrap this up, I want to pick up two points. The freemium model, I agree. We tried that at Riddle six years ago or seven years ago when we started. We went, we went to freemium. It just doesn't work. That would be my advice to other startup founders out there. 
people who join something and are not paying to get them to pay is the hardest thing in the world. Find either work all free, find other ways to monetize or go to all paid would be my advice. And as far as the community and being on the show, thank you so much, David, for your time. I've become a paying member uh, of Serial Marketers to thank you for the work you've done because I've gotten a lot of value out of Serial Marketer. Every question I put in there about marketing, I get answers for. And if I help other people, they're eternally graceful and thankful. I've met so many great people. So any of our listeners, if you are a Serial Marketer, um, I'll put the link in the show notes. Join the community. If you give David a good enough reason why you should be there, he will let you in. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, David, for being on the show. It was wonderful to have you here. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, really appreciate all the work you're doing. And thanks for being part of the community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Quizmakers. And don't forget, check out Riddle.com. We're the quiz maker used by the BBC, Shopify, and thousands of other companies worldwide. Our quizzes are fully accessible and they're GDPR compliant. So try our free, full-featured trial for 14 days, no pesky credit card required. And until next time, happy riddling.